are listening to audio from Faith Church, located on the north side of Indianapolis. If you'd like to check out more information about our church and ministry, please visit faithchurchindy.com. So good to see you all this morning as we celebrate the resurrected Christ. Hear these words from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 55. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligent to me. Listen diligently to me and eat what is good, and delight yourself in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me, hear that your soul may live, and I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David." Behold, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and a commander for the peoples. Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know, and a nation that did not know you shall run to you, because the Lord your God, and of the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. My uh, parents seldom took us out to eat. I'm the first of five boys, and each of us was born with two hollow legs. And so taking us out to eat required a second mortgage on the house in order to, to feed us all. Uh, appropriately. Uh, so they would, they would only ever break their no going out to eat rule if they had been irresponsible and were dragging us along on errands and it was cheaper to just feed us than to listen to us whining about how hungry we were. Or if we were on our way to a big family dinner where they knew we would not enjoy the food that was being served. And then we would hit the drive-through at McDonald's and load up on cheap cheeseburgers and be sworn to silence to never admit to grandma and grandpa that we had pre-gamed Thanksgiving <laughs> with cheeseburgers. But it, I get what they were doing. No one wants to fight with your kids about eating just one more bite of grandma's green bean casserole, right? If, if you don't, she's going to be offended. I know it's gross. Just eat it. By the way, I had a number of people offer me after first service that if you haven't, if you don't like green bean casserole, you haven't had my green bean casserole, um, nor will I ever. So eat before the feast. That was the goal. That was the the way to get us through uh, Thanksgiving dinner with the grandparents. But if you think about it, eat before the feast, there's nothing really more ridiculous sounding than that. 
when you've got real food, rich food, like sensuous and gratifying and rich and luxurious food waiting for you, why would you stop and eat something else along the way? It's a feast like that that God is inviting us to in Isaiah 55, the passage we just read. And he's also asking us, why are you settling for less when you know the feast that's coming? Why are you settling for less? Now, I know most of us don't think of our relationship with God as analogous to an incredible feast, So my hope this morning is to convince you that when God invites us to come to him, he invites us to come to a feast. When God invites us to come to him, he invites us to come to a feast. The table is set. You are invited, and God is there. So let's jump in. The table is set, and we see it right away in Isaiah 55, verse 1, uh, with just this, this incredible poetry. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. And the feast language continues into verse 2. Eat what is good. Delight yourselves in rich food. And if we all lived at the time of Isaiah, we would recognize the rhythm in these words. They sound like we're walking through an ancient Near Eastern food market with vendors all around shouting at you, water, I've got water, wine. If you're looking for wine, I've got it. What you need, I have wine, water, milk, meat. It's here. Come get it. No price. Come and buy. Okay, we'd be a little surprised to hear no price coming by. That's unique to this passage. Come and buy wine and milk without money and without price. We were out to dinner a couple of weeks ago with some friends at a a, a bougie type of restaurant that we would only ever go to uh, maybe once or twice a year on like a date night type of thing. But the kind of place where, you know, it says market price next to the food, right? You know what I'm talking about. So we were prepared to pay well for what we knew would be good food, and then our friends turned to us and said, buy whatever you want. This meal's on us. That's the language that is coming through in verse 1, verse 2 of this passage. God is calling us to a feast, saying, buy whatever you want. Eat whatever you want. This is on me. I'm paying for it already paid for it. And he's not scrimping either. It's not soup and water. It's wine and milk, bread and meat, good food, it says, good in the deepest and most fulfilling sense of that word. Another translation puts it, the richest of fare. So imagine the finest restaurant you've ever been to, the best meal you've ever had, the most luxurious splurge of your life, and double it, triple it. Keep on tripling it. That's the feast that God is inviting us to, in a feast that's already paid for. So he says, come and eat freely of what you could never afford on your own. Come and eat. The table is set. 
and you are invited. You are invited. Did you hear the invitation? It was repeated in here four times, that word, come, come. Now, when you hear a word like that, your emotional response to it depends a lot on who's saying it and where they're asking you to come to. If it's a magician up on stage and he points at you and says, come up here, your, your response is one kind of response, right? Kids, if it's a parent who just caught you doing something you know you weren't supposed to do, and they say, hey, come here. You know what's coming. If you just royally screwed up at work and your boss says, hey, step into my office, it causes a certain kind of response in us. But if it's a friend who says, hey, come here, you know you're, you're being invited into a conversation, into a, a space of connection. If it's a lover who says, hey, come here, you're walking into a space of intimacy. When we hear God say, hey, come here, what do you hear? What do you hear? Do you hear it more like a parent or a boss saying, hey, come here? Or like a friend or a lover saying, hey, come here. God's not inviting us to a flogging. He's inviting us to a feast. He's inviting us to come to a feast. So come, he says, if you're you're thirsty, God says, I have water. Come, drink, be satisfied, be refreshed. If, If you're poor, don't let that stop you. In fact, the only people I'm inviting are the people who know they can't afford this feast. The people who realize that they can't afford this. The only welcome guest is the needy guest. So leave your purse at home. Leave your wallet at home. Don't even try to pay me as you come into the door. Just come. Just come. Buried in that one word is all of the mercy and the compassion in the world. The love and the concern for those who don't think they're worth coming to this table. The pity for those who are trying to convince themselves they don't need the table by filling themselves on spiritual junk food. Come. It's a universal call and and an individual invitation when he says, come everyone, every one who thirsts, every one of you. He's He's inviting you individually. If you thirst, come. If you know you are thirsty, then come. If you know you've tried to feed yourself with everything you can get your hands on and it just hasn't satisfied, if you know you've spent your money on not bread, if you know you've labored and you have worked just to stuff more and more unsatisfying things into your face, into your life, and you still are thirsty, if you've tried everything and nothing has satisfied for long, he says, then come, if that's you. If you're thirsty, come. The table is set. You are invited, and, and God is there waiting for you to sit down at the feast. God is there waiting for you to join him. Uh, look at verse 3. The 
The call to come shifts to a call to listen. He says, incline your ear and come to me. Incline your ear and hear that your soul may live. See, along with the invitation to come is an invocation, an imperative, a command. Listen. Listen to my invitation. God says, I'm not, he says, I'm not inviting you to a feast with just anyone. I'm inviting you to a feast with, with me. Come to me, he says in verse 3. Come to me. Listen to me that your soul may live. He says, and, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you for your benefit. There's a lot of, well, the whole Bible is wrapped up in that phrase, everlasting covenant. So I don't have time to go through the whole thing with you and explain all of what it means. But at minimum, it at least means this, that, that God has bound himself, God has bound himself by a promise to all those who come to him that he will save, he will deliver, he will bless, he will feed, he will bring them into the feast. So come, come to the feast, come to me that your soul may live. Your soul, this is a feast of spiritual food, nourishment for your soul, food that feeds that gnawing ache that each of us has within ourselves. You know, as more and more we try as best as we can and we still can't make it, make the world, make our lives what we want them to be. You know, that ache, that feeling you get when you look deep down inside to try to figure out who you are and what you want out of the world, and you find that your deepest desires are in conflict with one another. That you both want and don't want at the very same time. And, and, and you ask yourself that question, like, who am I? What am I good at? Where do I belong? Who, who loves me? How do I stop from actively sabotaging my own life all the time? That gnawing ache. Another word for ache is hunger. It's a, it's a spiritual hunger that can be satisfied only by feeding at the feast of God. Feeding with the God of the feast. So come to me, God says. Feast on me that your soul may live. It's a simple invitation. Come to the feast. The table is set. You are invited. God is there waiting for you to sit down and join him. But, but before you do, or as you do, as you come, verse 6, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. In other words, this invitation isn't around forever. Respond now. Listen now. Come now. He continues, and verse 7, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. If you've been around faith the last month or two as we've gone through all the, the passages leading up to this passage, you know there are a lot of things that we can't bring to the feast with us. Things that have to be taken care of. Isaiah has used all sorts of different words to describe it. Sins, sorrows, burdens, transgressions, iniquities, our wickednesses, our unrighteousnesses. 
things that aren't welcome at the table. They have to be left behind, dealt with, carried away by the servant with a capital S, the one we've been reading about in the passages leading up to this. They have to be dealt with and carried away by Jesus. It's the whole point of talking about this at Easter, because two days ago at noon on Friday, Jesus was hanging on a cross between two thieves. And one was arrogant, but the other one realized maybe for the first moment in his life, he had one of those moments of clarity where he, he thought, life's not going the way I intended. My plans aren't working out. All of my best thinking got me nailed to a cross. <laughs> and in a, in a moment of acknowledgement of saying, okay, um, I deserve this. He turns to Jesus and says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus looks at him and says, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. In other words, he looks at this thief who has nothing, thirsty as he is, hanging on another cross next to him, and he says, today, you and I, we feast. Today you will be with me in paradise. And then three hours later, Jesus draws his last breath and shouts into the sky, it is finished. And we watch him pay the price for the feast. And then this morning, this morning, the stone was rolled away and the invitations to come to the feast began pouring out in the resurrected life of Jesus Christ. The invitation to come, come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come buy and eat, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why are you spending your money for that which is not bread? Why are you laboring for that which does not satisfy? Come to me. The table is set. You're invited. God is there. Come to the feast. But you can't bring your pride with you. All of your social posturing, it's not welcome at the table. Leave your weapons at the door. You're going to get clothed anew in the mercy and pity and pardon and compassion. We call that, uh, we call that repentance checking your weapons at the door. We call that repentance. It's the turning away from that lifestyle of machinations, of the little plots and contrivances that we implement in our lives to try to feed ourselves spiritually, to try to quench a spiritual hunger with what is not water and not bread. Repentance. I know it's a big theological word, but it's a beautiful thing because it bridges the chasm between us and God. Verse 8. Verse 7, we're told, return to God. Verse 8, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God is so far out there, and yet, in the invitation, he is near. Verse 6, call upon him while he is near. Seek him while he can be found. A feast awaits so again, why? Why are you trying to feed yourself with not bread? 
Why are you trying to satisfy yourself with things that don't satisfy? God's inviting us to come to him, and when God invites us to come to him, he invites us to come to a feast. Not to a flogging. Tonight we're going to spend the evening with good friends, enjoying rich food and good drinks and laughter and stories and time together, you know, all those things that make a, a human life worth living. So is it any wonder then that when God wants to show us the, the, the beauty and the satisfaction of a relationship with him, he uses the image of a feast throughout Scripture? But we did promise our friends that we wouldn't stop at McDonald's on the way in. And pregame, their good meal, their good dinner with edible food-like substances. Because when God invites us to come to him, he invites us to a table of companionship and closeness and intimacy. Why settle for anything less than that? When God invites us to come, he sets the table with good food, rich food, food for the spiritual hunger we've all been feeling, a hunger we, we, we think we've got almost at bay until something comes along and, and knocks it loose again. Why settle for being hungry all the time? So when God invites us to come to him, to come to the feast, he's not inviting us to come in like a parent or like a boss to punish us or like a magician to put us on stage and make us the center of attention so everyone can laugh at us. He's inviting us to come in, sit down, take a load off, rest a while, eat until you're satisfied. Eat until you're full, until you're whole again. Eat until you're a human being again. And then the real life begins. So, will you come? Father, you call us to a feast. feast that we could never afford on our own, a table that we would not be worthy to come to on our own, a fellowship that we have scorned on our own. But your son, our savior, chose starvation and hunger so that we could sit down at the table with you. So as you invite, this, invite us to this feast, we come, we come with this acknowledgement on our lips that we are only worthy to come in because of the worthiness of your resurrected son. And in the humility that comes with our price being bought and paid for, we sit and we rest until you make us whole. Thank you for the feast, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.